everybody and welcome to another edition of the Winging It Formula E podcast uh, with myself Nigel Shu and Freddie Coates, number one and number two of the trio of Winging It uh, colleagues, you could argue. Uh, you can make your mind which way around. Uh, we, of huh. course, have had the Diria E pre two races on Friday and Saturday a few days ago. Uh, Freddie, what did you make of it? It seemed much more exciting than the season opener in Mexico uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, it seemed like Formula E properly, even though Mexico did also seem like Formula E. This was, you know, it was, yeah. it was the form we come, we've come to know and, and love of Formula E over the past four or five years of racing and energy efficiency all coming together to form very interesting, very narrative-driven races. And yeah. I really enjoyed both of them and was very interested to see the similarities between them. Yeah, absolutely. Because I often in previous seasons you get the one race on the Saturday or Friday in this case, and then the next day you get a completely different order. But yeah. instead, we got Pascal Verline winning both races, Jake Dennis second in both races, <laughs> uh very close to each other at the end. I mean, just brilliant performances again from both of them. Uh it's they, they were of course one two in Mexico as well, Dennis ahead of Verline. Uh, back then, I mean, why do you think, apart from efficiency, <laughs> well, why yeah. do you think they are at the front and the drivers to beat? Um, well, it, it's not just efficiency. It's the capability from their sides of the garage to enact that efficiency. I think it is very intelligent, intelligent race racing styles from Dennis and Verline. Because you look at Lotterer and De Costa, and in both races, in theory, they couldn't replicate that level of efficiency. And albeit De Costa was was hamstrung in the first race after getting caught up in a bit of a melee at the first corner, but in, in on in direct comparisons, Verline and Dennis in all three races this year completely outshone their teammates in the way they manage are managing their managing their 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 drives. So I think actually. We've all been going into this going, look at how efficient the Porsche is, but I'm coming out of this going, look at how efficient the Porsche is, but also look at how efficient it is when you apply it correctly and yeah. when you get your head down and understand Formula E properly. And I think Pascal Verlaine and Jake Dennis are head and shoulders above the rest and the way they've done that this weekend. Actually, I'd throw Sam Bird in there as well, but for mm. particularly the second race, he was able to manage that car very, very well on energy. Yeah, they got the attack. I mean, just quickly on that, on Sam Bird, whilst I've got it in my head, because I will forget later. Uh, they got the attack mode strategy completely wrong for me by using trying to do two in the final 10 minutes or so. And that cost them a bit for me. Uh, but yeah, that's just my thing. But yeah, I, I'd have to agree with that. I think the Costa, it would have been interesting in the first race if he wasn't, if he didn't go up the back of, who was it again? Who did he hit the back of? I can't remember. Uh, he hit the back of Degrassi. Degrassi. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, because I think he started ahead of Dennis in that race. So he maybe would have came through. It could have even been Porsche 1-2, perhaps, in that race if the cost had similar energy management. But then, yeah, in the second race, he was nowhere near as strong as Verline, uh, his teammate, and didn't come through the field at all. So mm-hmm. those two drivers seem to have adapted and understood uh, the new car much better than the teammates. And and to I be know, honest, it's, it's not just... surprising when you look at their their Gen two careers. Verline had no no testing or no experience of Formula E when he came into the second race of season five, 
and was fighting for pole straight away and and in the next couple of races and nearly won in his third or fourth race and dennis um plugged away plugged away and then soared through for a championship fight so in his first season so these guys are are workers and grinders and understanders of formula e to be fair you can you can make cases that we it was on the cars for this kind of development as for them as drivers and i also think there's a small element that uh lotterer has moved to andretti i mean yes it's still porsche powertrain that so changes teams completely from uh what to detail now uh to porsche so i think we, we see it in formula one as well when you drive there's a small element of that perhaps uh Oh, definitely, so, definitely in that yeah. regard. But Lotterer would have been driving the Porsche car as much as Verlaine and Dennis would. I think De Costa's the one that you can make that make that argument for because he's come from DS. But Lotterer was with Porsche and is now still in a Porsche car, so his systems are still the same. It's the team yeah. where the team operates is different, of course. But um, from what Oliver Askew was saying on the coverage is that the way the team was running in the race was entirely different to what they were doing when he was driving there last, like five or six months ago. So um, <laughs> these stuff develops anyway. And it, I, I don't know. I just would have expected a, a driver. I rate as much as Lotter adaptability and DeCosta to have been at the heels of these guys at least, but you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm jumping to two negative conclusion too quickly. Yeah, yeah, who knows? Uh, do you think there was any way Dennis could have won either of the races, or not really? Um, I think he shouldn't have got bogged down at the start of the second race. I think where Verline won it against Dennis was the fact that he was able to make hay early on in the race and be in a position where he was still um, conserving energy and going up the order, whereas Dennis was was propped up a bit behind Buemi. We will talk about because he's been doing very nicely. Um. But uh, Dennis, if he hadn't been stuck in P7, having lost a position at the start, I reckon he could have been up there. But I reckon that their pace was very similar throughout. So I think, I do think, yeah, if he had, he could have had a more con- continued charge throughout the race if he had made a move earlier in in the race in terms of attacking those ahead in the way that Verline did. Because Verline just, they let Verline get away, in my opinion. Yeah. First race. First race. I don't really know, to be honest. In the first race, I think they were surprised by how much they're able to go through the field. I think, I think, but I think they should have learned from that for the second race a bit more. Yeah. Track trap position was the only thing that kind of separated them uh, for me. I I, I think you're right. I don't think there was enough pace difference for Dennis to get past Verla. So simply being behind that lap was the difference. And I also think I don't know who thoughts about it, but to me, through that uh on the long right hander before the back straight, the minimum speed of Andretti and Porsche was quite noticeable to me that they were carrying more speed through the corner, which then you save energy because of that. because uh, you don't have to bring your speed down as much, I guess. A uh, the Maserati or DS uh, cars, they to me had a bit of understeer. Uh, I mean, obviously we're talking small margins, but it does seem the chassis 
as well as a powertrain and a Porsche, is you know doing a lot of good stuff. Well, in a in a um, spec chassis series, if you can dial it in in the correct way and 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 so on, then that's very impressive, and it it speaks to a more competitive season than what what the results of the first two races, first three races, point to. But if if Porsche and Andretti with Verline and Dennis have got a march and on a on a on the nose setup very nicely, then good for them because it's working very well. It's, like you say, allow them yeah. to carry more speeds. I think we could see it very very visibly with Hughes in qualifying for the second race, particularly that car was just doing everything he told it to do and he could correct it, but carry the speed and so on. And, and I think, I think with a little bit of understeer, but that kind of understeer where you can hug the wall, they were able to succeed very nicely with, with car pace. It's just, yeah, I think, I think the Porsche cars were able to do that in the race a bit more. Yeah. I think, yeah. Do you think we need, we, we talked about this, off the podcast, do you think we need a rivalry between Dennis and Verline because they are 31 points ahead already, which is absolutely remarkable? I don't think anyone thought that we would have a multi team fight, but we haven't had a proper rivalry since. Well, the only rivalry has been the Grassy versus Buemi in seasons one, two, and three. Uh, so do you think we can, can they need that? I don't know if it's needed, but I think it's cool. Um, yeah, I think it's very cool to have. I remember with with and it's not a comparison to make, but with the first five or six races of 2021 in Formula One, there were only two drivers in first and second in all of them, and it just points yeah. to oh my god, we're get, we're getting a fight. And if that kind of thing happens here, at least with them all close to each other, it does make it really it just it just builds into a fight itself. Um, I do think <laughs> Dennis and Fairline are two of the loveliest guys, so it's not it's not quite the sort of um, the fight that you could get from a Buemi and Degrassi, which is where they, they've got so much steel about them as drivers yeah. um, on their shoulders, on their face, on that they wear on their sleeves that they can throw at each other. So it'd be interesting to see how that develops. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I, I think Formula E, we criticize their marketing quite a lot. Um, if you were to hand them something like this, that they can put on a plate and stoke, they probably wouldn't do it well enough, but I think it's the best thing for it, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I think the personalities wouldn't quite work as well as the Buemi, but nevertheless, if you're going to get two top drivers that are much better than everyone else, then yeah, I mean, a rivalry is only a good thing for all, all motorsport, I think. So, so yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see how. If they can continue the dominance as it is in Hyderabad in India in two weeks. Now, but let's talk about the other driver, Sebastian Buemi, is up to third in the championship after got pole from nowhere in the first race. And then he also got fourth and sixth in the two races as well. I mean, that was completely unexpected, really, wasn't it? But we've been talking about. Uh, how poor he's been the last few years and then to get poor was incredible. Yeah, I think realistically, we can probably point to more how poor the Nissan was, um, to be honest. Probably yeah. giving Buemi a bit of a, a break for the past couple of years now. And he's got in a car that's reacting well with him and he's doing well. Uh, three duels performances, um, one one pole position. 
And like you say, third in the championship, albeit double his points, and he's only on then the same points as Jake Dennis. But um, he's for for every Formula E season, starting um, if your results are sixth, fourth, and sixth with a pole position, then that's normally very, very good. So yeah. he's he's doing well, and it's good to see Envision doing well, and one of Formula E's favourite son's doing well as a driver to be honest yeah absolutely uh do you think i mean what do you think it's just the car suited him more the team suited him more what you know what, I don't what, know. what would you kind of put it down as well i don't really know it's hard to say about the team suiting him more because he wasn't the same team that won him titles and lots of races yeah. um but there i'm not really sure because there were obviously changes in that team as a result of um, Jean-Paul Drio's passing and so on um, four or five years ago at the dams side of it and now it is just Nissan there's no dams involved at all so it's I'm not sure really but I mean, he's an interesting an interesting soul I think to be honest I do think <laughs> for a lot of drivers a refresh and a reset can just work wonders yeah I agree, I agree. so there's, I think to be honest that probably is is paying dividends. I mean, he's completely outperformed Casti from the off, and Casti's not a slouch. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we see every racing driver has one or two bad years at least in their career. And maybe, maybe for Bellamy, along with the this had not been amazing. That kind of he didn't quite have the same motivation, maybe, and I think he settles does that help in that respect. Uh, so yeah, that is possibly why. Uh, yeah. Uh, the McLaren's it's, it's interesting because Buemi's sort of ended up being the lead Jaguar driver, um, despite Bird having the headline <laughs> results. So, and Bird and Buemi are the two drivers we sort of came into this season saying, think what two of the drivers we sort of thought needed to have a year to shine, and they, they've started that well. Yeah, I mean, Bird's been speaking about how immediately the Gen 3 car suits him more than the Gen 2. I think he's talked about in the braking phase, especially. That's where. Uh, he's been he's been much better. And yeah, he seems to have had the slight drive in terms of race pace. Anyway, but he was in the second race. He had like two or three percent more than Evans uh, at halfway point of the race, and that's why he finished uh, ahead of him. And Evans back in twos and ran into the back of him at the finish line, which was a very weird incident. That, uh, he hooked Hughes. onto I mean, him. He, he hooked right onto things. his tail light. Otherwise, he would have got past him, Evans. But he he just yeah. he stopped that bit too early, and Evans that bit turned that bit too late, which meant he just hooked onto him. But yeah, the the Evans Bird comparison was interesting because Bird started ninth and was fighting for the podium in that race, and Evans started yeah. obviously on the front row and just fell back. So it was interesting to see that eventually it, it came a kind of no brainer for Bird to be past Evans and fighting ahead of him, and we've not seen that in that team for. A, since since realistically season seven so yeah and that was only a couple of times in season seven in that year mitch was still the stronger jaguar driver so it'd be interesting to see because i do think the um as i was saying with the costa and lotterer there are elements that they can take from the other side of the garage to unlock so i think evans is the kind of driver who would have a good relationship with sam bird to to figure that out but it was a it was a it was a surprise to see a driver i think we all rate so highly in that kind of position 
Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think the learning curve, I think all the drivers have talked about this, is just so, so hard. It is about who's going to learn and understand the most, I think. Because, and I, I, in fact, I think that one is why Porsche suddenly went from, because they were telling me in Valencia, they were like field testing, and then they suddenly got to the front. And it just must be over that four or five week period between Mexico, first race, and pre season testing. They must have just found something, whether to regen or you know, the power trade itself. I'm, I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, the development rate is just absolutely huge from the teams themselves and the drivers, you know, learning and functioning the setup and that kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, yeah well, the, this is, yeah, I, I think. Well, I was going to say the back of the world change, but it does seem Porsche still have a big margin. But anyway, uh, yeah, McLaren, they need to... So I was just starting waffling. And McLaren, uh, they need to find some efficient... One lap pace is excellent, and Jake Hughes still delivering absolutely sensational stuff from him. <laughs> Sorry, yes, yes. Sorry I, I thought the question was going to be longer. Um <laughs> JQ is still delivering fantastically in qualifying, but Rast performing as well with him now and and performing better in the races, actually. Both these races, Rast was better on efficiency and better on just intellectual racecraft, which is what you'd expect from a driver who's 10 years older um, and and has raced in Formula E before as a teammate of Lucas Degrassi. So I think there's definitely room from both drivers to sort of pull uh, pull this performance out. And I think, Rast has improved and Dennis, Dennis, not Dennis, Hughes, different Jake. Um, Hughes has um, definitely got one weak side of the day ticked. He needs to just copy Rene a bit more in the race. And I think, I think he was, he was doing that a bit better on um, the second race because obviously he had a higher position, but um, it, it'll be interesting to see. Cause yeah, that is the only chink in his armor at the moment. And they are, you know, working well with that Nissan, that Nissan car, better than Nissan, obviously. Um, yeah, that's. I find that strange. I find that strange. Well, I, I find it strange how how much they're better than Nissan because at least with Envision and Jaguar, they're they're dicing. With Porsche and Andretti, they're dicing as well. But with Nissan, they're they're off the back. But yeah, uh, with a you know occasional cameos from Fenestras in in um in the timing sheets because uh, which has been you know a pleasant surprise but um Hughes and Rast just seem to be able just to work that and the McLaren team just to work that really nicely so hopefully they can unlock a bit of efficiency with that and can move on forward and well not move on forward but can stay at the front of of a of a race because when you just after sort of you get to a, a third distance or a quarter distance and those first energy figures flash up and you think Oh, okay, yeah, they're falling back. Um, so unless they yeah. can get to a track where you're overtaking is much harder, much much harder. Which I don't think there are any. <laughs> yeah, Hyderabad and Cape Town coming up are pretty sure quite fast energy yeah. usage tracks. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, but I don't think any time soon. I think I think it might be somewhere like London only where they can kind of. But just the last round. <laughs> exactly. It's a long way away. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I, they, they, you're right. They need I to mean, find, they need to find a, an element of efficiency, don't they? 
Yeah, for me, if you don't have efficiency, you are a sitting dog. Like there is nothing you can do. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I think they did quite well to do to get the positions they did. They did what well, this something wider better. For me, it's an element of the drivers' quality being a bit better. Even I'd fair to say compared to the Fenestras and Nato, where then you got Hughes and Rust at McLaren. If that's fair. Um. Yeah, I think that definitely plays into plays into it. But Nato has Formula E experience and has good yeah. Formula E experience. Fenestras isn't a bad driver, in my opinion. I think he's a good driver, and I think I think it's just a case of learning. Um, but because Hughes has learned so quickly, that doesn't necessarily help. But I do think there's an element of the way the team are running it as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they got the same personnel as the Mercedes winning championship. Winning yeah, exactly. Season, so, yeah. So yeah, exactly. that's, that's probably those two factors combined, uh, which is helping McLaren to be towards the front. But Maserati uh, still struggling a bit <laughs> compared to <laughs> uh, what they kind of expected. I mean, just kind of average everywhere in terms of efficiency, one lap pace in the corners. That, that's how I kind of see it. Yeah, it doesn't really, I don't really know how to sort of go about telling them what to, to do. Um <laughs> it's it's the kind of thing if one can do it the other should be able to do it and mm. it's a case of how much information are they sharing and how much information are they willing to to share and what's competitive and what's not and I think it does go back to sort of setting up the car as well um, because the gaps shouldn't be as big as they are if they're all getting to the getting to the right uh, set up and right drivability with the car, but clear you can see you could see it clearly with the cars that were qualifying well. At least they were yeah. re- responsive to the drivers. Whereas you look at um, someone like um, the Maserati team, they're having to fight that car because they're not getting a good handle on how to use the car. It could be a really fast car, but they're just not quite figuring it out, and that just means that they're then fighting it and they're using more energy just by having to do corrections and things like that. So mm-hmm. it it adds up. Yeah. It might be Mortar and Gunter both had those crashes in uh, for the Friday qualifying as well. Yeah. It was, it was a massive uh, dent for them. Uh, do you think it's too early to say they're out of the championship those teams, Maserati and uh, the DS teams? I mean, obviously the quality of drivers they've got is great, so they can come back if they find something. But do you think... They've got a bit too much to find. It's well, Stoffel van Dorn's on one point, and Pascal Vellon <laughs> is three points off where he finished last year. So it's I don't like to discount these guys, and also because it's Formula E, you can't discount people. So it does feel different, doesn't it? Because the field's not as kind of close. And that well, they just feel like they've got off such a big margin to find Maserati. Didn't didn't Vern score no points in the first two races of his second title season and things like that? Like, yeah, but I that mean, was with the old qualifying format, wasn't it? It was with the old qualifying format. That's true, but it does kind of imply that. And Evans, Evans last year was in the title fight for a long time, but he didn't do anything in the first three races. So, um. I think there. I think it's too early to discount because we're at a stage definitely where 
someone can find something overnight. And I do think you, you, you look at birds and Jaguar and they found something for this, for this, for Saudi Arabia. So yeah, I, I think there's still elements that Stellantis cars, um, Maserati and DS can find something for Hyderabad or Cape Town and then can just lock out at the top and do something like that. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if they're not on a charge. It's got to happen the next two races, though, surely. I mean, if, it, if they're still where they are after Indian Cape Town, they can definitely rule them out, I'd say. But, I mean, for yeah. me, it's already looking like too much, just because of the performance on the track as well. Just, it doesn't look very optimistic, I'd say, there, uh, which is a big concern for me, like the, the actual performance, especially from testing as well. Uh, what does the expectation uh, so, yeah. Uh, any other drivers or incidents or thoughts before wrapping up uh, this episode, Freddie? Um, more just sort of, I'm vaguely impressed with Kelvin van der Linde. Um, yeah. I do, I do think the Absolute Hindra car is not working well at all. And he was ahead of Nico Muller for the, most of the weekend. So that's very impressive. Um, and hopefully they can figure out how to run that car a bit better as the season goes on. Yeah. And who knows, maybe he'll get more chances to shine. Um, but I thought he did it on a, on a stand-in role where he hadn't driven a Gen 3 car until this really complicated track. I thought, you know, that that did impress me. and He applied himself very well. Yeah. And so for racing, uh, the kind of, this is the last topic, the racing, do you think it's better than Gen 2 in terms of I don't know, it feels a bit more pure to me in terms of the actual overtakes because the attack mode is not making a big difference. In fact, I'd say it's a distance choice. I'd say it's kind of neutral in terms of the time loss and then uh, the minute or two minutes when you use it, you don't actually gain that much kind of back from where you were. So there was kind of some more pure, we've seen less overtakes, we've seen more pure overtakes, if that makes sense. Yes. Yes, we are. The, the overtakes are being set up corners before and so on, and the overtakes have to be have to be driven. And yeah. I think I don't know. I think it's a detriment to the attack mode for what it has been. Grant, to be honest, um, but I think that's that's forced a bit more of a a quite a formula, formula junior formula style of setting up the corners. Quite a pure way of racing, to be honest. And it's yeah. been quite it's been quite fun to see. Actually, you've had some moments like I think Bird in the sort of final corner did an absolute send on on was it Rast I think or maybe yes I think it was Rast or might have been Hughes but when Verline was was getting away he just thought right I've got to send it as well now and just yeah. went for it and you've got a, you've got that kind of element of racing which is which has always been in Formula E but it is definitely mm. still there and it definitely will be there at um, tracks with a with a lot more kind of flow where you've really got to hunt down the car in front and the kind of racing you get in national series which is why people Mm. love sort of a touring car race and things like that the way you can see an overtake being built up and built up and built up and then attacked i think you could see that quite well particularly at this track because you had the 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 first and second sector of just the kinky bobsleigh run that they have (laughs) and yeah, it was nice to see. Um, but one one question to you, Nigel: What do you think is going to happen in India? Uh 
Well, I said after Mexico, the pecking order order would be different. And apart from Mahindra dropping, it's not really been the case. Well, and Jaguar came up okay as well. So I think the pecking order will be different. <laughs> I, I, well, I'll say that. I think it will be different. Yeah. I, I just can't. I don't. I just can't see. Will Porsche really dominate the season? Is what? Like after that, if so after next race, if, they do. if, I'd be if so they're impressed. one and two again, then it's a Verline. Then we're going to have to seriously start considering it, which is amazing for Formula. Uh, it's amazing yeah. that we're saying it's amazing to have a dominance in that way, and the Formula has done yeah. that very well with with the customer packages and so on. Yeah. Um, which is a wider topic for other stuff, but. Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting to see, and a bit of me just kind of want a Dennis Verline one too again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I will. I, I, I do think. I mean, it's a new track, so that will neutralise things as well. I think, like I said before, about the teams learning of every single mile uh, that they do. So, you know, I do think it'll be different. I'm not sure which teams will be at the front, but I don't think we'll see the same dominance from the Porsche powered teams uh that's for sure that, that that would be my kind of take for it uh but sounds good yeah yeah but i mean for me just i mean after a bit of a plum first race these second these second and third races are much much better uh which yeah. is good to yeah. see because yeah. the start narrative narrative races they seem to tell a story which was very yeah very cool yeah because there was a lot of ne- negativity coming into the season but i think in general from what I've seen as well on social media, uh, it's definitely a lot, you know, more positive now and that kind of thing. And there's not a lot of uh, negative comments, which is good to see. Uh, so yeah, I think that wraps up everything. Uh, sorry if my internet has been a bit dodgy. I've noticed it over this podcast to the listeners and viewers. Uh, nothing new there. Uh, me and Freddie will be back with Adam for a four to one podcast, probably about the car launches, Hassan, Red Bull, and if the FIA a and F one continue to say stuff about each other or anything else that happens over this week. So Blimey. hope you have a good week, and we will see you then. Goodbye.